Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. In this episode, we'll look at aerodynamics and the opportunities for you in that field. We'll hear from British touring car star Tom Ingram about what it's like working with students. We'll catch up with University Vice-Chancellor George Holmes. And to dispel the notion that motorsport and engineering are male-dominated, we'll hear from some of the NCME's female students. This is David Addison. And first this week, let's talk to British Touring Car Championship ace Tom Ingram. Ting drives for Speedworks Motorsport, a team with students on a placement. Tom, what's it like working with students? Uh, I find it really enjoyable, actually. I mean, it's great to be able to let these guys have a chance to, to learn and, and find out what happens on touring car weekends, because there's so much to do. There's so many jobs that you have to get involved in and, and fill so many different roles. So it's great to see the guys learn on, you know, guys and girls learn on the job and, and see them mature and see them improve weekend on weekend. And, and I think the thing that we always notice is how much more confident, you know, yes, they're picking up new skills. And yes, they're learning new, new techniques and new ways around things and certain challenges, but it's the confidence that they that they come to. No, you know, no more, no longer are they quite nervous to be to be around. They they're welcomed into the team, and they're and in, you know they become an integral part of the team as as any member does. Do the students concentrate on one particular area, like for example engineering or data analysis, or do they do an element of everything really in order to learn? I think the beauty of of the BTCC is there's loads to do. You, you, you don't just kind of sit in one area effectively. And, and there is a lot also on race weekends to do, not only from the data analysis, exactly as you picked up on, but the engineering side or the mechanical side as well. But there's also a lot that can be used away from the circuit as well, because there's obviously a huge amount of engineering that goes on away from the circuit. Um, and, you know, we've had some of the guys that have helped us with simulations and, and understanding what changes, uh, you know, what changes effect to be it geometry be it on uh camber be it on this be it on this so with different variations of setup we need to know that when we change that it affects that if you know what i mean and, and able to map that out so a lot of engineering can actually be done away from the circuit as well um and back at base and, and things like that and that's where bolton have, have have been fantastic with helping us out and, and and alan has been very kind to put a lot of work in to understand that when we change A, it affects B, C and D in, in the way that it does. When you were told you're going to have some students in the team, were you nervous? You know, you're here to win races and fight for a championship. Um, or do you just accept the guys as part of the team like any other mechanic? Naturally, yeah, of course you are. You know, you're always um, the sceptic and you're always kind of go, oh, well, I want somebody that's proven. You want somebody that's already on the job. But you're never going to get that talent without giving them the chance in the first place and i think that's where christian's always been very uh very open and very strong with how he runs the team as well is to give people the opportunities to learn and give people the opportunity to move forwards and 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 be promoted into into the next yeah. roles and a good example of that is with spencer who's now my my engineer he's been with speedworks since he since he left school in in, in his uh, in his late teens and he's kind of grown through that uh learning process if you like and I think that's what's really good is, is as I said earlier on, we're seeing these guys learn and we're seeing them develop and 
learn new skills and gain confidence in the in that work environment that they're not just there to make a cup of tea they're as much of a they're as much of a, a of a team player as 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 i am as as spencer is on the engineering side as christian is on the team we're all in it together and we're all an integral part of the team and i think that's what's really cool were you surprised with the level at which the students operated the skills they had when they first joined as well as being impressed by where they are now yeah, I mean, they, they they already come to you with a with a very good understanding of uh, of motorsport, and it's it's giving them the the first hand experience as well, which is something that you can't learn until you're on that job, if you want to call it that. You mm. you have to you really have to learn on the job, and and I think a, lo- a lot of the time that um, you have to have a, a good understanding to be able to learn on the job in the first place. You have to have the the background knowledge to be able to be told how and why and when to be able to put that into practice in, in the real world. And I think that's what they've done really well is they've been able to run with the practices that we that we use and how we operate and how we do certain things because they already understand the background knowledge of that, if you want to call it that. They already understand the, the, the principles of it so they can put it into practice in, in, the, in, in reality. And, and does the team benefit from having the students? Of course you do, yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly that, that thing of, of, of what I said earlier on where you... We're developing talent and i think that's what's very very important is that in another 10 15 20 years time these are the guys that that we want to be the top engineers that we want to be the guys that the, the top designers that we want to be the, the the best mechanics data engineers what aerodynamicists whatever they may be looking for in their chosen department we need to be pulling these guys through early on in their careers and i think that's what's important is the fact that we're giving them the chance to fulfill those roles later on be it with ourselves, be it with another team, be it wherever. But we've, I think you've got to start putting the work in early on for that. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Aerodynamics play a huge part in motorsport and engineering, and Professor Willem Toet speaks with authority. Uh, Willem, let's start, if we can, with a quick run through your history, a lot of which was in Formula One with some notable teams. It was, yes. I've worked in Formula One uh, about 35 years with uh, what became Benetton while it was Tolman Group. So Tolman Group Benetton then moved to Ferrari, BAR Honda, uh, BMW Sauber, now with Sauber. So I've been with a few teams and uh, many quite successful winning teams. And in that time, you've seen how aerodynamics within Formula One cars have changed and changed again and keep on evolving. They do. It's In part, it's because of regulations, but in part, yes. we're learning more and more. So regulations have been designed mainly. They're changed to slow the cars down and it hasn't worked. We've just found other ways around the problem. Mm. And in, say, in Formula One today, the cars are made faster by aerodynamic devices, probably are around about 25 seconds a lap. It's a, it would be less because you wouldn't get the tyres up to temperature mm. if you didn't have the aerodynamics. Mm. They, they'd just be cold, you'd just be sliding around. Yeah. But um, about 25 seconds a lap, and that dominates the performance of a Formula One car, powertrain and aerodynamics. And presumably it's a course that's always going to evolve as well because as aerodynamics change and people come up with new ideas, or as you say, new ways around a regulation, that has to be integrated into what you're teaching. Absolutely. And so even, say, for road cars, road cars are going in the direction of 
more electric powertrains, so powertrains mm. that have less energy stored on board of the car. That means that resistance, rolling resistance and aerodynamic resistance become really important. And once you get up to, say, 30 mile an hour, the aerodynamics is the dominant form of resistance. So you need to reduce it to extend your range. So for all sorts of, for all forms of transport, aerodynamics is key, really. What have the biggest changes been in, in that long period of time that you've been working within the, the field? I would say the amount of resource that has been thrown at studying aerodynamics. So mm -hmm. when I started in Formula One, I joined an aerodynamics team of one person and made it two. <laughs> and when and and the big teams today have more than 200 people studying aerodynamics. And probably the main, uh, if you like, way of researching aerodynamics is changing from wind tunnel testing almost exclusively wind tunnel or road testing mm -hmm. to computational fluid dynamics so computer simulation of airflow where the tools are just getting better and better how do you teach a subject like this i mean you need a lot of technology at your disposal at the ncme to get the message across presumably you do one of the things that is a challenge for aerodynamics is to study it if you like professionally to if you wish to become a professional mm -hmm. you need quite high levels of mathematics engineering mathematics so okay. quite often then it's taught as a later year subject so the students already have a good grasp of mathematics but one of the things i try to do with some of my talks let's say the more uh, inspirational ones or the ones aimed at inspiring people is to show that you can understand many of the concepts without having to study the mathematics and that's where i have a huge amount of fun and it really you, aerodynamics is amazing it's mm. delectably difficult <laughs> but at the same time you can teach the concepts behind it very simply do you find the students occasionally challenge you they ask for example have you thought of doing x or what would happen if we tried y that you may not have considered in the past i, I used to say no no student has ever come up with an idea that uh, was new to me and then and then of course you get caught don't you and it, it has it has happened for example uh, a new way of manufacturing that i've never seen in formula one invented by a formula student team from iceland I was very jealous that it was another team, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does happen. One mm. of the things, so if I'm trying to put together a group of people to evolve a new vehicle, I'll put some people in with experience, but I'll put some young people in who don't know already what won't work because okay. they'll make it work, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. they, will, they will be more, generally the younger, the younger people are more creative. When you're trying to teach people aerodynamics, what do you have at the NCME at your disposal? I mean, you've got cars you can look at. Do you have wind tunnels? Yes, do you there's have a wind tunnel at the of, university. Of computers? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a relatively limited amount of compute capacity for, say, specialist CFD work, but enough to teach. And they have projects such as the Formula Student Car, where they're great learning tools mm -hmm. and also the the ensign project that has come in this year there's always some projects there that 
allow students to dig into what are relatively up-to-date concepts. So the Ensign project is really special because it gives us ground effect aerodynamics that are mm. coming back in 2022, and we can talk about it now. It's really fun. It's amazing that Formula One has gone almost full circle from from you know the nineteen late nineteen seventies ground effect, uh, and it's coming back as you say. Uh, what career opportunities are there from this? You go off, you learn about aerodynamics, you can use that in motorsport, and I suppose in aerospace as well. In any form of transport, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, aerodynamics is used. So advanced aerodynamics is being used for bicycles because it makes. Even for a bicycle, once you're up to reasonable speed, then aerodynamics is on a normal person riding to work, for example. Aerodynamics is where you spend most of your energy. Okay, if you live in Switzerland and you're going up a big hill, the big hill is going to make a bigger difference. Mm. But coming down the other side, the aerodynamics will make all the difference. So even on bicycles, on road cars, on trains, buses, anything, uh, other than the stop-start, uh, aerodynamics is your major contributing factor to using energy. And I think opportunities in motorsport may reduce, but opportunities in aerospace are likely to increase. And in in human transport and goods transport, the opportunities will certainly inc- increase. Boats as well. It's the same fluid dynamics and aerodynamics is exactly the same formula and it's exactly the same knowledge base you need. So there are a huge number of jobs out there in, the, in, the, in that field. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Hi, my name's Rob Hyam. I lead the motorsports programmes here at the NCME. Alongside this, I also teach, and the topics I teach are materials and assembly technology, engineering management-based topics, and also design for additive manufacturing and advanced production engineering. My background is a bit of a mix of experience between motorsport and aerospace. I have spent most of my career working in aerospace. I started my aerospace career with BAE Systems. At BAE Systems, I worked on pre-production development of the Eurofighter Typhoon and also on flight line testing of the Harrier and the Tornado. Beyond BAE Systems, I have also worked for Airbus in both the UK and in Germany. At Airbus, I worked mostly with materials and processes. Here, my role was to focus on the qualification and industrialization of 3D printing in the aerospace industry. When I say I qualified parts, what that really means is I analyzed, tested, and signed off that the part was fit for flight. So the planes that you fly around on holiday could potentially have a 3D printed part that I have ticked off to say is appropriate. Beyond aerospace, my motorsport experience comes mainly from my degree. I studied motorsport engineering, as I also had a love for race vehicles as well as aircraft. My motorsport engineering degree was a fantastic opportunity for me to explore high-performance vehicles. I also had a fantastic time working with our Formula Ford team. Now I'm here at the NCME, I can see just how important it was to get a good grounding through Formula Ford, but I'm also over the moon to be able to get up close and personal with high-end racing like British GT, British Touring Cars and the historic F1 programme that we've already discussed. I'm very passionate about developing other people, so I take great pride in seeing you develop during your programme here at the NCME. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. 
Let's talk next to University of Bolton Vice-Chancellor, Professor George Holmes. Uh, let's start, if we can, with the history of the university. Why was the NCME created, Professor yeah, I mean, we were formed in 1825 as a mechanics institute in uh, in Bolton, <laughs> and uh, and clearly uh, since then we've done engineering, and so mm -hmm. we formed the uh, the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering, uh, really to build on that history and tradition of being uh, you know experts in in engineering technology. Has it been an easy course to promote in terms of of student numbers? Um, Bolton, you could argue, isn't the most fashionable of places, although. Clearly, times change. You know, are you, have you ever struggled for intake of students? Uh, when I when I came to the university, I think we were recruiting seven students a year into or thereabouts into automotive and mechanical right. engineering. We're now recruiting over seventy five. Wow! Um, and uh, and very successfully, students <laughs> who are very able. So it's, it's it's grown by more than tenfold in the last four years. Uh, the number of students are, are growing as well, and 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 so too it seems is engineering and the interest in it and the number of jobs available in the engineering sector once you complete the course. Yeah, I think people have realised that if you become a qualified engineer, you're very marketable for employment uh, in all mm. sorts of sectors, whether it be the defence industry, the aviation industry, the automotive industry, or, or general engineering in terms of uh, you know just taking a career where you're an, an expert mechanical engineer. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? Or one of the points. We talk about motorsport engineering, but with the skills you learn, you can go off into so many different sectors. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a context in which you can learn about engineering, but it's actually learning the hardcore skills, which are great and really, really employable skills of, of being a really high quality precision engineer. You know, if you can make an engine um, precise enough to, to rev at 16,000 revs per minute for 24 hours on a Le Mans track, <laughs> you, you, you're a precision engineer. You've got this excellent mix of people as well, haven't you, from academia, from industry, many of whom are still actively involved in the industry side of it, feeding all this back into the course. Yeah, there's no point in having a, a purely theoretical program. You know, employers want people who are ready for the job market and people uh, in, in employment who are linked to, you know, people who are in the university's employment as, as academics and, uh, and professional staff uh, linked to that industry make a transition for students much more easily into employment. And one of the aspects that makes the NCME's course stand out are these placements. You look around a lot of motorsport teams or, or motorsport pit lanes and identify the students. It, it's a, a huge boost to the course, isn't it, to have the teams joining you as partners? Absolutely. I mean, we didn't start the programme until we got those uh, teams as partners. We wanted to make sure we got those placements and those people involved and what they needed from, from the students before we started the course, because it's essential. Imagine being a trainee doctor that didn't have any hospital experience. It'd be crazy. It's the same with an engineer. Indeed, but it's such a practical classroom, isn't it? And you've got the best of both worlds. You've got what you're learning within the NCME, what you're learning within a team, within that working environment. Indeed, indeed. And you get lots of that track experience. I've seen lots mm. of students doing that. Now, inevitably, um, we need to just touch on COVID-19 and what that is doing to the university at the moment and indeed how you're all having to adapt to cope with it. Yeah, I mean, um, a, a technical innovation associated with this, of course, is the massive use of Microsoft Teams and Zoom and other mm. uh, online products to enable people to interact. And so learning is still going on at quite a, a strong level. In fact, it's only reported yesterday that, that we have 80% engagement in our classes at the minute, which is actually more than we'd normally have when we haven't <laughs> got COVID-19. Uh, what does this do to the next intake of students? How are you looking ahead to September? 
yeah, we're all prepared for the 15th of September for the start. Um, Bolton will be operational. Students will be in on campus. We will be social distancing. We'll be following all the rules. We've got a great uh, university as it should be set up in terms of safety. And uh, they can be assured that they'll start with a, a, an on-campus experience in September. Professor George Holmes, thank you very much. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Now, rightly or wrongly, there is a perception that motorsport and engineering are more male subjects. Well, there are plenty of female students at the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering happy to dispel that myth. Among them, it's BSc student Lauren Ingleson. Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm a final year BSc student and I'll graduate in July. Um, I've been at the University of Bolton for four years now. Um, I had to do a foundation year because I did mechanics beforehand. My time at the University of Bolton has been amazing. If you compare how I am now to how I was years ago, there's definitely a change and I think the staff are a major part of that. I also think the volunteering through championships helped me because I think I was, I was scared to go out of my comfort zone. I'm looking at doing a master's at the University of Bolton. The one I've chosen to do is the engineering management master's because I feel like that is what interests me more. Um, I think a big part in why I chose that is formula student because I had to be the team manager. I kind of found that I enjoyed running a project. I enjoyed, you know, the aspect of designing something and following it out to the manufacturing process. I think the competition helped me a lot because again, I was team leader, so I had to kind of, I was responsible. I had a large amount of responsibility to ensure that deadlines were met and parts were ordered and things like that. So it gave me more of a perspective as to what it'd be like if I was in industry and how that would be done. I'm glad I did do former student. I'm glad I ended up getting um, to be the team leader because I enjoyed the experience thoroughly. And um, I really do think it's helped me a lot with my personal development. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Among the various aspects of the course at the NCME is 3D printing. Uh, What is it and how could it be of benefit to you? Let programme leader Rob Hyam explain. For this section, it's me, Rob Hyam, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what exactly is 3D printing. 3D printing, or as the pros would call it, additive manufacturing, is kind of exactly as it says on the tin. It's a process of manufacturing in which we add material Traditional manufacturing methods, if you think about CNC machining or similar, they are subtractive methods of manufacturing. We start with a large piece of material and we will reduce that down to get to our final geometry. With additive manufacturing, we start with nothing but feedstock. So the feedstock is the material which we want to then produce our three-dimensional part at the end from. The feedstock comes in one of two types for us. It's either powder-based or it's in a wire. The powder-based material is a very, very fine powder, usually very spherical, and actually to look at it doesn't look much different than icing sugar. The wire feed systems are more commonly used, and you will probably see them in classrooms in schools, colleges, 
and they even sell them in Audi these days. So the 3D printing part or additive manufacture part now needs to take this feedstock and produce our final shape. So what we do is we apply an energy source to that feedstock. If it's a powder based system, the powder is coated on a bed, which we call the build plate. A very thin layer of that powder is then melted or sintered by a laser beam. If we use a wire based system, we will feed the wire through a very hot nozzle, which turns the wire into a malleable product and allows us to then deposit it selectively. In powder-based additive manufacturing, the laser beam is moved by a combination of mirrors. The movement of these mirrors will change the direction that the laser points. The change of direction that the laser points means that we can physically move the laser beam across our bed. The laser beam moving over our powder bed leaves a trail behind it of melted or sintered powder. The path the laser moves in will create a picture, if you like. So let's imagine we're trying to 3D print a box. Our laser beam on one layer will effectively draw a square. We can then put more powder on top of that layer and we can redraw the square. If we melt or sinter powder layer by layer, we will eventually build a larger three-dimensional part. Now let's change the geometry and let's not think about a box, let's think about a really complex shape like an aerofoil. The process is exactly the same. All we rely on is a computer program to create what seems like a 2D slice. So we turn our three-dimensional object into multiple smaller slices. The thickness of those slices is set by the machine and our laser beam will then just melt every layer one after the other until we end up with a three-dimensional solid part. We remove the surplus powder and voila, we have our 3D printed part. Wire-based 3D printing is normally called FDM, Fuse Deposition Modeling. FDM printers, as we already talked about, will feed a wire through a hot nozzle. The process beyond that is very similar to the powder-based system. The nozzle will draw out the shape that we want. Let's use the square analogy again. We will draw a square, the nozzle will then move up and we'll draw the square again. So we have two squares on top of each other. It will repeat that process until we get to our solid part. FDM parts also use something called a support structure. So if we imagine we print a part with an overhang, like an upside down L, we want to make sure that our base, which is now hovering in air, is supported. So we will print support structures to stop that from just falling flat. That's the basics of how a 3D printer actually prints. So what about the 3D printing at the NCME? As I already mentioned, we have powder-based systems and wire feed systems. The wire feed systems are open for all students to access, and we also have some professional grade printers doing a very similar job, but on a larger scale. Our powder-based system is really focused on preparing parts for forming a student and for our master's development. Some of the projects that we've worked on with our 3D printers include manufacturing parts for the automotive industry, but more importantly to you guys, I'm sure, will be some of the parts we've done for motorsport. Our powder-based 3D printer has produced some really good brake cooling ducts for a Dallara Le Mans prototype car. And with our FDM printers, we've also done some things like dash surrounds, master cylinder housing, and also some driver cooling aids for our Funk Cup car. I'm very keen for all students to get involved with the design and operation of our 3D printers. So let's hear from Elliot Downs, who will tell you a little bit about this from a student perspective. Hi, I'm Elliot Downs, I'm a current master's student at the NCME. My background consists of my undergraduate degree, BSc Motorsport Technology, as well as work in various racing rally teams. 
apart from racing, I've more recently been focused on innovations within manufacturing. Through my undergraduate degree is where I first came across additive manufacturing, with mostly Rob Hyam to thank. Through Rob and my own personal research, this triggered an interest in me personally that I wanted to pursue. And now, just over a year later, I'm employed by the National Centre to look after our additive manufacturing facilities. To be able to see and develop facilities here at the uni is a fantastic opportunity. The uni are always looking towards expanding capabilities. As a result, during lectures and studies on a master's course, such as the module Design for Additive Manufacturing, we were able to see firsthand and operate some fantastic equipment like the Powder Bed Fusion 3D printer. As students, our ability to study technology whilst putting it to use at the same time gives our studies realism and definitely aids a much better understanding. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Continuing our focus on female students, Hannah Smith is studying automotive engineering at the NCME. She told us about her involvement in Formula Student. I am Hannah Smith. I'm studying automotive engineering. Formula Student is a competition where the team we design and build a car ready to race at Silverstone. I was involved in the design of the bodywork. This involved working with other areas to ensure the bodywork would fit and with things like the radiator to ensure enough air was getting to them. Designing any aerodynamic packages to give us the outcome we desired. Once these had been designed, we used CFD to make sure that things were working the way we wanted them to. Formula student helped to bring all the theory that had been learned together in a practical project. It helped to gain a better understanding of how to apply the theory and the best ways to do this. The project also helped to show how different management techniques can impact a project, as well as how important it is to ensure that everyone is engaged in the team to help ensure that enough progress is made. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. And that brings us to the end of this edition of Motorbotics. Next time, we'll discuss the master's course. We'll have a look at students' perspectives on live projects and indeed look at some of the opportunities for students at the NCME. For now, though, from David Addison and the rest of the team, it's goodbye. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton.